You're listening to your All-Star Effort MBA podcast with David and Kane. Connection lost, motherfucker. Oh no, our internet is... Oh my god, this is not All-Star Effort. Okay, just hold on. Why did that... This is not All-Star Effort. You're listening to your All-Star Effort MBA podcast with David and Kane. Kane! We need a new format! We need a new format! Kane, I witnessed a new format, All-Star Games, and I like it. You like it? That's a, yeah, that's your verdict, right? I like it. What's our format? Our format is like freestyle, you know? It's it's just we'll go with the flow and we'll give strong opinions. Uh love it, hate it, you know, just Kane, another all-star weekend is in the bag, and I need your reactions, including this year letting some YMCA players, Trey Young, Oof. into the game. Robbery in Chicago on Saturday. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And the new format. But first, let's get into some news. Okay. So I um, guess I'm understanding your definition of a YMCA player is a person that puts up stats. Like he just puts up stats, uh, but doesn't necessarily tra- translate to wins. Is that is that an accurate description of a YMCA player? Are the Phoenix Suns an NBA team? Factually, yes. But... Uh, do they operate like an NBA team? Like, do they operate like winning organizations such as the Spurs or, I don't know, Clippers more recently? Um, no, I guess not. And I think the interesting thing is it all comes down to the owners. And we've talked about bad owners like James Dolan and what he's done to the, to the Knicks franchise. Uh, we have a similar situation with a guy named Robert Sava, who's historically known, at least in recent years since he's acquired the team, to make uh, bad decisions. What was that story that he brought a goat into the locker room to try to inspire the players and coaches? Started shitting all over the the GM's office. Look, his methods are not good and it hasn't really translated to any wins since he's acquired the team. Since, you know, the Steve Nash days. Uh, But I think Devin Booker is a good player. I think you uh, undermining him as a YMCA player doesn't uh, do him justice because he is one of the best shooting guards in the league. And maybe... This is a time where there aren't many great shooting guards, but if we if we are creating positions, Devin Booker as a in that position as a shooting guard is one of the top shooting guards. I, like his stats prove that he is a force to be reckoned with uh, at that two spot, and does not mean he plays better than him. If Devin Booker was such a great player, forget All Star, just a good player, shouldn't he have a better record? He's been on that team for at least two or three years now, right? And every year, they're near the bottom of the list. It's, it's more than four because he's signed a contract extension. He's trying to he's signed his max contract, so it's, it's obviously past four. I know he scored 70-plus uh, points in one game once on that joke of a team. He has not translated to any wins. I'm not talking about getting to the playoffs. Maybe getting to close to, like, 500. But why, why, why is it his job to single-hand? Like, it, clearly, he can't handle the job. Like, you know, Chris Haposingas, was he, the, was he nicknamed the Unicorn? Was he nicknamed, like, was he a franchise player for the Knicks? Hey, leave, leave the Knicks alone. <laughs> I'm hurting here. I'm oh, hurting Jesus. here. <laughs> Can we bring him back? <laughs> Can we bring him back? It's been like my point is, just because you're a great player doesn't mean you can turn the luck of franchises around. It's not your job solely to turn it around. Only that that job is only given to a select few, and we know who that's like. We we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. We're talking about LeBron James, 
Anthony Davis, as great as Italian as he is, did he, how many seasons did they make the playoffs? How many seasons did the Pelicans make the playoffs with Anthony Davis as the best player? But there's no doubt in my, in, in your mind that he is a franchise player. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying you putting the unburden, the, sorry, the burden of winning uh, games on one player is unfair to most, even all-stars, let alone professional NBA players. We're not, we're not saying whether he's a good player or even a great player. We're saying, is he an all-star player? And I'm asking, to be an all-star player, shouldn't you at least, you shouldn't be at the bottom. Bradley Beal is probably one of the best, like, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like second best players on a team. He's probably, he probably would be one of the best second players on a team. Anthony Davis is the best second best player on the team. If not, LeBron James is the second best second best player on the team uh, of all time. Um, but isn't that funny? But, you know, Bradley Beal has always been on losing teams for the most part. And especially since John Wall is either retired or eaten too many donuts uh, for this league to continue playing at, a, at an all-star level. Um, it's fallen on the shoulders of Bradley Beal to win, but he can't win games by himself. But you put him on a team with even LeBron James or Kevin Durant, now he's an all-star again. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's... It shouldn't be like just because you're an all-star means that you should be given the responsibility of winning games and making and taking your team to the playoffs. I, I don't think that I don't think that theory holds water. Like your theory of just because you're an all-star means you're a franchise fortune difference maker. Listeners, tell us how you feel about this. I'll say I'll say this. I don't think I. Uh, I mean, you obviously are a LeBron James fan, so you obviously are celebrating his brilliance and dominance for so many so many years um but me on the other hand i've been i've been less fortunate i've been a fan of a team that has had very bad teams in the past and um i just think that you shouldn't punish the players for being on those bad teams perhaps i'm underselling booker um who knows hey just like and also just going back to what we we're talking about last week about the wolves if the Wolves ever actually do carry out their plan of getting uh, Devin Booker to complete their trio of you know young players, they're now all, they're now all all stars. Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, and DeAndre Russell are all all stars. Has Towns been an all star before? Yeah, he's a two time. Yeah, I checked it. I checked it last week. He's a two time. He's a two time all star. He didn't make it. He didn't make it this year, but he's made it the past two consecutive years. When you combine those three players together, do you end up with a 500 team? I don't think it's guaranteed. I, no, I don't think it's guaranteed, but I don't think I can change your mind. It's just, you're just sick that way. You're, the way your brain works just won't allow you to <laughs> see the potential. Okay. So I'm, I feel sorry for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can't convince you. Well, there you go. De Devin Booker, if you want to uh, send your kisses to Kane, please tweet us at your NBA podcast. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> this is not good news, Kay. It's about the Cavaliers. A couple of shows ago, we talked about some drama in Cleveland with their coach, head coach, John Beeline, misspeaking during a film session using the word thug instead of slug. I'm not sure if I buy that story. Innocent mistake. But news just came recently that John Beeline might not actually return to coaching the Cavs after the All-Star break. He took like a walk in the woods, <laughs> okay, stop. Uh, introspective walk in the woods, and 
contemplated his future <laughs> with Kevin Love. Uh, with Kevin Love, <laughs> with LeBron James, with uh, LeBron James. <laughs> I don't know all the all the great Cav- 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 uh, Cleveland greats with Steph Curry. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Um, and they t- and they talked it out. They talked to us native Cleveland all timers, <laughs> and they came to the conclusion that he John Bayline should step down as a coach. Uh, was, it was all mutual, Larry Nance's dad there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this was more of like a confrontation, actually, more than a mutual. <laughs> oh my god. Of- Oh my god! Do they... Intelligent basketball. Okay, stop moments. that! I, I don't want that imagery. This, the dude is like a sixty-five-year-old white. John Valen's like, oh no, the other guy's like, you want to see thugs? Oh my god! No, no. I'll show you thugs. <laughs> Do you think Kevin Love was like, oh wait a minute, am I going to get beat up here? <laughs> <laughs> it's me, LeBron. It's me. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, let's stop that. That's actually bad imagery. He's literally like a senior citizen. I think something must be up. Uh, in Cleveland, um, yeah, for him in his first season to just hate his job, I'm guessing to the point where he's contemplating the future, his future as a head coach. Um, I mean, there's only 30 positions of this. Like, if you're given a chance to coach, this is his first season. So for him to, you know, finally get this opportunity from the college and make the least of it, it just shows that, uh, you know. Something must be up in Cleveland for him just to, you know, not want to come back after All Star break. I think this story is actually more significant that than it uh, first appears, not because of the previous yeah. drama, but literally this guy. He just he was hired. He was just literally hired. This is what his like the thirty games yeah. like this fifty is his first games deal. in. This, yeah, this is his fifty game. He's half the season in, and there's already reports. Yeah, like you said, reports of him. Um, not wanting the job anymore, basically. And we know that by previous reports, it was the veterans on the team, like a Kevin Love, yeah. as an example, um, yeah. who mm. named two other players on the on the Cavaliers: Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, two others. And two others. Oh, I can one more. I can do it. Um, one more. And uh, is Ty Lue still there? <laughs> <laughs> Is the starting point. <laughs> uh, I know they have like a combination of like young players. Sexton is Sexton yeah. there? Yeah, Sexton. Yeah. I don't know his first name. Yeah, Sexton, the Garland. They got Chetty Osman. Oh, Chetty Osman. They got okay. um, Andre Drummond. Oh my God! In trade. Okay, Jesus. He forgot Drummond. I think uh, Hoyang drove him there. <laughs> I'm sure Hoyan would love to drive Drummond. So I, kn- I know the previous story was all around Kevin Love um, not getting along with the coach. And fair enough, Kevin Love's won a championship. He's not looking to rebuild. And they brought in this college coach, not for those veterans, but to basically teach and the develop young the young guys. So the fact that it's now, if he's stepping away, that means the, the young guys d- aren't even buying into him now. Yeah, no one's buying into what he's preaching. And I think it's interesting because Kevin Love always seems like a nice guy. Like, I, I know that seems a bit stereotypical because he's like, you know, the white guy. And, you know, he should be, I don't know, more, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Like approachable or something like that. But it seems like from the actions he's had on the court, like, you know, chucking the ball away. and. <laughs> and <the> <laughs> I don't know, certain rumors that he's not enjoying uh, Coach B 
uh, it just it, it kind of paints Kevin Love in a different way, don't you think? Like, you say he's not part of the future, but he is technically. He, his contract is for another four years. Well, what are you saying here? What are you saying? Is Kevin Love a thug or a slug? Well, it seemed like Kevin Love could have been the bridge, uh, you know, to the next generation, like teaching and mentoring these young guys like Garland and Sexton um, to realize the, you know, better careers for themselves. And it seemed like Kevin Love was going to be that mentor and he's paid really well um, and he could help Coach B, uh, you know, transition some of these younger guys to become role players to star players. But the fact that Kevin Love doesn't even want to be part of this, to me either, you know, it's not really, maybe he's not the guy that I thought he was, he was going to be when he signed the contract. Initially, the thinking was that they signed him to a long, lucrative contract as a way to retain that asset. So that they can trade, they can yeah. trade them in the future. Now that hasn't turned out well. During this trade deadline season, it became apparent that other teams were looking for additional assets in order to take on Kevin Love, as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, for some reason, yeah, his trade value went down and by a lot for some reason. It's not even about that the young guys don't buy into the new coach. The question is, how much room do you let the young guys operate? Can the young guys? who you don't even know if they're a part of Cleveland's future, do you let them dictate who the coach needs to be? Or did you already have a vision and a strategy in place when you hired the coach and say, look, we're going to execute that strategy and that vision, and we're going to give you three, four years to do it, right? And we're going to get our young guys to buy into that, not the other way around. I think the young guy that they really want is uh, Ohio, or Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised... Bronny James Jr. drafted <laughs> first overall in the 2021 NBA draft. Get him to come on this team. Uh, kick out everyone else and let's let it go. Let's go. LeBron James comes back. LeBron James is not going to come back. Uh, sure. Do you think? Oh, if, oh if, if Cleveland drafts, if Cleveland drafts LeBron James Jr., yeah, LeBron James is coming back for sure. I think it's more likely that this is all part of LeBron's plan. He like probably told all the young guys and Kevin Love to like get the coach fired, make this team a dumpster fire so you can buy it off of uh, Dan Yeah, Gilbert. exactly. He's, he's lessening the value. He's do- this is all orchestrated by LeBron James. And remember, his contract ends, uh, the end of his contract coincides with uh, LeBron James Jr. entering the NBA or when he's first eligible to enter the NBA draft. So by the time that LeBron James Jr. enters the NBA, LeBron James will be a free agent, and you know that he'll be signing wherever his son gets drafted. Anyway, we'll see how this story develops. Um, I do think it's it's going to be very messy. We're going to see what happens, and I think organizationally, what does it say about the front office, about management, if they're going to let young players dictate who the coach is going to be? And plus, I'm assuming there's going to be some agreed buyout where they don't pay maybe the rest of his contract, because literally he's probably Ooh. owed $20 million. That will be messy. That'll be messy. They got a future. They got a future All Star coming in in two years. And Bronny, <laughs> okay. And they've got the best young talent scout around. Your favorite, Brian Windhorst. Oh shit! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Why am I, I? Why am I disrespecting Brian? I like Brian. You're the one that planted this sinister thinking in my head. I didn't say anything. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. He is a great judge of character <laughs> and. But they got to be young. Characteristics. Yeah. 
It's great judging like they gotta be young. Talent. They gotta be black. <laughs> they gotta be young and black. Um, <laughs> and they gotta be. They have to be either have LeBron James, be LeBron James, or like be related LeBron James. <laughs> that those are key key details yeah. of uh, one Brian Winhorst. He's like some young blacking with muscles. Yeah. All Star Weekend. All Star Weekend. I started watching the Skills Challenge, but then because uh, you know Spencer Dinwiddie was. On, in that competition, but when he got booted out in the first round, I stopped watching after that. I think in a bam, Adebayo won, won the contest. And then I started watching the three-point contest, and that was a good ending. Did you watch the three-point contest? I did. That's the one I started watching with. Yeah, I, I usually start with a three-point contest, but just because Dinwiddie was in the skills challenge, I watched that. Um, but a three-point contest was pretty good. Buddy Hield came from, like, from behind had to hit the last shot to for the winner uh, over... It was over D-Book, wasn't it? It was. He won by a point. Yeah, he won by a point. He had to hit the last shot to win. And... Oh, I forgot who it was. Devin Booker. Yeah, Devin Booker. He had to, he had to get that final shot to beat Devin Booker. Um, anyway, but... Like, that was a good setup. I, I think that's how it should be. Like, skills challenge is pretty predictable. Like, you can't really go wrong, but it's not that exciting. Um, the three-point contest is a bit more exciting because, you know, you get you, you see guys shoot shots, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's a shooting. Uh, it's not as exciting as the final event of that day, which is the AT&T slam dunk competition. And usually it's a hit or miss. Uh, this time it was a huge hit. And Aaron Gordon was back in a big way. And uh, you messaged me during the competition and said, Dwight is so hot right now. <laughs> uh, I think I missed his dunks because I had no idea what you're talking about. I was talking about his body. Were you just checking out his muscles or you talking about his body? He's so hot right now. Oh, Jesus. Because his dunks were uh, like pretty bad. It seemed like he kind of like, you know, checked himself in. Didn't, didn't really... Didn't really try. I was a bit disappointed. I thought he, of all people, would have probably worked out a bit more uh, in terms of like coming up with new dunks or something unique. Because mm. he's been in a comp- he's a two-time winner, I think, and yeah, multiple. And also, there was a story that he was going to do mm. something special for Kobe, like a little tribute. That super Superman dunk, yeah. Yeah, was that? But that's not a tribute to Kobe, so I don't know what happened. Maybe no, but it like had a twenty-four. In that like emblem, the oh, S emblem. Okay. Usually, there's like the Superman right. logo in that emblem, and but instead it had the 24, and he planned something that Kobe would was going to give him that 24. Uh, I don't know, whatever. I don't know why. It right, Kobe right. Tw- yeah. I think that gave him like post-traumatic like stress syndrome or something because his dunks are pretty. No, I don't get it. Is like why it had to be Kobe? You know what I mean? Like it's it seemed like I know after the fact it seems significant, but before Kobe died. You know, it's kind of interesting that, like, oh, I was going to get Kobe to give me this 24. Like, what does that mean? It's not really important. Well, he didn't have he didn't have any relationship with Kobe. Kobe, like, hated him. Not, yeah, you're right. Nothing special. So, like, when he said, when he was saying that, oh, the idea was Kobe Pop Bryant was going to hand me this Superman jersey with the 24 on it. It's like, I don't know, I was thinking, like, so? Like, how's... It sounds like you're just kind of making up the story just to make it sound more emotional. I, I like that. Uh, I, I don't remember, like a few years ago, they were always using props and it just, it felt like there was just too much pre kind of 
hype up of the dunk and then like they'll do the dunk and then they'll miss like five dunks in a row kind of thing like that it's just such a i know put off of, of the whole of the whole contest like the dunk contest but i feel like this year they're going back to more pure dunks and it, it kind of shows the athleticism more which is really cool what do you think of the results dwight was unimpressive for the most part um, Pat Connington, I think, did some interesting things, but it seems like every white guy that uh, appears on these uh, on these uh, slam dunk contests have to, has to dress in the white man can't jump costume. Have you seen that movie, White Man Can't Jump? It seems like every white guy always has to wear like that backwards hat and like surf and like board shorts oh, um, kind of costume. Yeah. Right? Is it just just me? It might not be you. Who's the other? But I, I feel sorry for that. That's so sad. It feels like every time. It feels like every dunk contest is like one token white guy, and he has to wear the white man. He, he has to bring out his like costume. Woody Harrelson um, costume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so pathetic. And then, um, uh, I thought uh, actually, yeah, I definitely thought Derek Jones Jr. was impressive in the first round. I think he was a better dunker, and Aaron Gordon was like doing his warm up dunks, which is probably strategically better. But in the final round between Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones Jr., Aaron Gordon killed it. Do you see the second last dunk where it's like the 360 with the arm extension? Oh my god, that that is that is the best. That's probably the best dunk. That's over, right? You do that and it's over. You you win. You do that, you should win. I think the thing is like there were some uh, like 50s that maybe shouldn't have been 50s, and it would have been like over sooner. So Derek Jones' first dunk is. Uh, the dunk over to two people and he does between the legs was pretty good. Nah, I don't care. And then Aaron Gordon and then Aaron Gordon uh, I think does another chance to rapper dunk but he kind of like uh, kind of spins over chance to rapper. Don't really care. So not a gr- also not a great dunk but they both get 50s I'm pretty sure. And then that's and then I think Derek Jones is another th- between the legs dunk. So like already like you know he's kind of running out of dunks, and that's when freaking Aaron Gordon does the the three sixty off the side oh of the backboard. Oh my god, so good! Um, pass from Markel Fultz. Finesse and power. Uh, I put up there seriously, from his uh yeah finesse and power between the dunk contest in two thousand sixteen where it was like back to back to back and like Zach Levine like you could say he rubbed Aaron Gordon but man you can if you jump from the free throw line do a windmill on from the free throw line like that's Pretty. You probably would have said Zach Levine was robbed if he didn't win. Right. You know. Yeah. That's um, fair. But Aaron Gordon was obviously great, and in this one, that dunk was the best dunk of the night. And yeah, I I feel I feel pretty strongly that he should have won the dunk contest off that dunk. Like that reminded me of Vince Carter dunks. It's the smoothness as well. Like he's so smooth, like grabbing the ball and spinning in the air. But it's with the, it's both with power and finesse. And there's like this. Yeah, with the power. There's type That's of important. like a ricochet where, um, like a pullback of the arm that makes it feel like it's even more powerful. Mm. But it's yeah, like you said, like the finesse. He's graceful. Like he's like spinning. He's like pirouetting in the air, and then he like when he's pirouetting and he's coming to his full circle. He then draws the power and slams it through the yeah. through the hoop. It's that snap, uh, which kind of gives it like the, you know, yeah, that kind of you know um, oof factor. Yeah, it's a it's a snap factor because a lot of dunks and the ones you see like on YouTube, they're basically like acrobatic sideshows, right? 
There's no power in them. Jumps very and high. You wouldn't do any of those this no. stuff in like a game, right? They're just not like you might as well get like I yeah. don't know. You could get like the Chinese gymnast team to to do those dunks. Oh, um, it's not fair. Like if you get professional dunkers against NBA players, the professional dunkers will be better dunkers. Um, but you're right. They're not as physically strong and imposing as these guys. When these guys get the dunks in, uh, it's powerful. And I think that's what make, makes Vince Carter great and Aaron Gordon great too, because these guys are great basketball players. Obviously, Vince Carter's much better, but you know Aaron Gordon's pretty good, and they can also fly through the air. They can also you know be uh, you know what they call air walkers or I don't know whatever you want to say, um, and they're fairly acrobatic in the air, like and they got the power to back it up with. So you got all those things going for it, and I think Aaron Gordon. Uh, should have just won the dunk contest with that dunk, basically. Yeah, I agree. I think the dunk competition they need to look at. They need to um, review the, how it's set up. I, I think at the end of the day, it's who cares about the scores, right? It's about who wins. Who does a better dunk? The person with the better dunk. Who dunks, did the best? Exactly. Dunk. I agree. They win. I reckon maybe like let's just do the normal first round as as is, and then in the final round you get three dunks. You do three dunks, and out of those three dunks. You then score them, kind of like a like a you know like a ice skating routine. Your three dunks is like your repertoire, and then afterwards, after both com- competitors have showed the three showcased the three dunks, then the judges will get together and say who were you know, like who who made the best dunk in the final round, basically, and that's the person who wins right. the competition. Right. And I think get rid of like the scoring in the final rounds because there's there's too much like okay should I give this person a nine and then save the ten yeah, for, wait, or the yeah, eight totally. and then he can make up the two points no just like just tell us who does the better dunk is it Derek Jones or Aaron Gordon yeah because you heard like Dwayne Wade copped a lot of flack because he was supposed to give a ten or something like that in that last uh, uh, Aaron Gordon dunk when he dunked over Taco. Which wasn't a great dunk, but just impressive that he jumped, you know, seven, over seven feet five foot in the air, like you know, clearing his head barely. Um, but apparently there was some miscommunication that Dwayne Wade was supposed, to, or one of the other judges was supposed to give a ten, so then they would have equal scores for another round. Uh, but one of them miscommunicated and uh, gave him an, an extra nine, so then he had a one point less. Than right, Jones. right. Look, unless it's Jeremy Lin uh, judging these competitions, let's not get too crazy with the math Oof. and stuff, okay? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you take oh, that out. Shots, shots yeah. fired, shots fired. Yeah, with all racial with, shots uh, fired. With all respect to uh, Dwayne Wade. Well, I guess what I'm saying is like they're trying, it's overcomplicating yeah. it. Yeah, you, you, the more you tinker with it, sure, like, but the thing is, it's, 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 it's not perfect, so, you know, yeah try some stuff out, experiment, and you might find something innovative. And I think they might have stumbled upon something that really might have staying power with the All-Star game. And, and by the way, when he was dunking over Taco Falls, I, I bet like that was giving Danny Agent a heart attack. <laughs> he was like, wait a minute, this, this wasn't planned. I didn't like approve this. Well, what if you kick him in the head? Imagine if like LeBron was in the dunk contest and like he decided to jump over Kawhi Leonard. Instead of like dunking the boy, he just did like a flying <laughs> dragon kick into his chest. Are you saying he lined up uh, Kawhi first, and then uh, behind Kawhi would be uh, Jokic? <laughs> <laughs> Who else? And poor George uh, lying down at the at the at the bottom of the ring. And then near the landing spot, he has uh, Donovan Mitchell lying there. 
Donovan Mitchell on his left leg and uh, for his right foot landing, it's uh, I don't know, Damian Lillard, but he's already injured. So. You don't have to worry about Dame. He's taking a rest this postseason. <laughs> I just think that, you know, uh, there's no greater example of Adam Silver tinkering with formats than the All-Star game. And I think that this year's version of the All-Star game has real staying power. That is a pro segue. That's a pro segue. The new all-star format. I, I, I liked it. I you like it. it. You like it, I love and it. I like it. I love it. You know what? Um, you know what? Even the first quarters, uh, I think, are interesting. The first, like, three quarters are interesting. I think the fact that the scores reset originally gave me a bit of a headache because I didn't quite understand it. Uh, but seeing action, uh, I like it. I like that um, uh, the scores go back to zero, and that means, like, you know, at the end of that quarter, that's you're you're playing for something basically. Because each quarter, uh, money is getting money is going to the charity of your choice basically. So each quarter means something, even though you have another chance to redeem yourself in the next quarter. Um, you know, you want to win. You want to win the quarters because it always means something. And then the last quarter, the fourth quarter, which is you know the ultimate quarter, uh, it's all at stake because that's when the, all the money gets multiplied. That's when. Um, the scores get added up and you have to, you know, get it first to 24. Uh, that's when the intensity ratcheted up. And I thought, literally, I thought the intensity was similar to a finals game. I've seen finals games with worse effort than that, honestly. I agree. I agree. And one of the giveaways for the intensity is the difficulty in scoring. I'm thinking back to that go to the Cleveland Golden State game where literally for, you know, last four minutes, no one could score a point because it's so intense. And they're calling charges. Yeah, they're fighting with the refs. They're calling charges. They're calling. <laughs> they're calling actual fouls in the All Star game. They're they're fighting with the refs. They're arguing with the refs. That's how intense they were. Yeah, like they're so intense that the whole team is arguing with the ref. You see the you see the intensity in James Harden's eyes. I haven't I haven't seen that since Game Seven of the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. Kyle Lowry was he even a starter? Because he was like. Playing the full fourth it's quarter. It's not a starter, but I mean, yeah, he was playing the fourth quarter. He played with full of heart. Um, I mean, Trey Young is meant to be the starter, but oh, come on. Like, let's not kid yeah, ourselves. Just this is winners only. When it's the fourth quarter, and you need someone to rely on uh, for that team. For the winners only. For that Giannis team, yeah, you need you need Kyle Lowry. You need Kyle Lowry because he team. made he made some big plays too. I mean, he he did make a mistake. He made as some well, big plays, but he made a huge good play. defense. You can't blame him too much because the thing is, like, it was Kyle Lowry. It was Kemba Walker and Giannis, Pascal Siakam, and I forgot the other guy that was in that red team. But they were guarding Giants. They were guarding LeBron James. They were guarding <laughs> Anthony Davis. They were guarding Kawhi Leonard, MVP, Kobe MVP, Kawhi Leonard. You know what's really interesting? I thought it also showed who the veterans were, the really the experienced players were. Because even a Kemba Walker, he was making mistakes down the stretch when the stakes are super high versus a Kyle Lowry. Kemba Walker definitely is green to the All-Star game and Kyle Lowry is a veteran um, to your point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would, yeah, from a talent perspective, I might give it a Kemba Walker. When the game's online and you need that player there to help you win, I'm good with Kyle Lowry there. Hey, Luca's probably better than all of them. Even he wasn't put in the game in that in those moments. Jason Tatum is probably better than them, um, than all three of them. But he, he wasn't put in the in in that in that game. 
So this is a great game, but I think this game will be a lot more interesting once we get all the top stars, like the proper top stars back. But I don't mind that the first, even if the first three quarters aren't competitive, because I think that those three first quarters, um, you can play, and the fact that they reset the score, it feels like there are new games every, with every quarter. Yeah, the new games, yeah. And each quarter, they win something. Yeah, exactly. And then you can highlight different players in each of the, those mini-games, essentially. You want to highlight, mm, uh, you know, the, the YMCA League All-Stars? Put in Devin Booker, throw in Trey Young there. I don't mind. Let the, give the fans what they want. But then, <laughs> once the fourth quarter starts, then you let those other youngins sit in the side and watch how the daddies play, okay? Before the All-Star weekend, I had started to think, okay, All-Star, is this becoming like the Pro Bowl? Like, should we just get rid of this shit? Because no one really cares. I mean, it's a different animal for sure because... Uh the risk factor in NBA is much, much like lower than the NFL, um, like in terms of injuries. I can't, rem- I can't recall a time when someone got badly injured in an all-star game because that would really put the like, spotlight on the NBA all-star game to try to you know, reduce, like a lot of teams would put a pressure on Adam Silver too. You know, maybe hold out some of these pl- like players or shorten the minutes to reduce injuries and stuff like that if a big injury ever happened. But you know, in the Pro Bowl NFL, like it's just hard because that's why they create all these like kind of stupid games before just to draw interest around these players and like and in in, also in an environment where they don't have to wear helmets in the NFL. The Pro Bowl is kind of sticky because like you want to see your star players play in a game, but you don't want them to go all out because if they go all out, they'll injure themselves, right. basically. Right. And they've already paid a, played a full season. Uh, how much more energy can they give to this exhibition game that's meaningless to them? Right. Uh, but NBA, once again, is, is cool because they've only played 50 games. Um, there's a lot on the line, obviously, in terms of like uh, like respect and just not wanting to lose basically these are the best competitors best athletes in the world that you know don't want to don't want to lose and yeah it's just a fun mid-season thing and i i just yeah it if if just feels like it feels right like i i nba all-star weekend is the best non like uh what do you call it like mid-season tournament like the best tournament like mini tournament there is i don't know what you call it what, what would you like non celebration season canon- canonical non canonical celebration. Yeah. celebration. <laughs> oh my god! You know what I mean? It's like not part of the, but yeah, it's just, it's fun. I have to agree. I think the thing that they should introduce next is a one-on-one tournament. I think that would be that would be interesting. Oh, get get like rid of the rising yeah. stars, or maybe keep the rising stars. Maybe the one-on-one tournament could be with the young guys. Maybe. Maybe not, because they don't have the name factor. Or have the one-on-one tournament with the rising stars. Like start off with them, right? Because, like as we know, Trey Young. Like I don't. He, he, is he a good team player? I don't know. He like his teams don't win. But I'd be interested in him, like one-on-one. I think the thing also is like one-on-one. You know, because when they practice, they play a lot of one-on-one. But we know one-on-ones get heated. Like that's that can real bring real tensions to players and like they actually might compete really hard for one on one-on-ones because team games you can kind of take breaks you can say like oh you know 
if it was me against him one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, those like he gives comparisons, like if I was versing Michael Jordan one-on-one, -on -one, like I would beat him um, because, you know, Michael Jordan was on a great Bulls team. One-on-one -on -one is, you know, sometimes reputations are made and lost. <laughs> Cause it's it just it's just one on one. It's you and the other guy. Who's who's better? Let's do it. No one, no one else. No one, no one else is helping you. There's no, there's no LeBron James. There's no Anthony. There's no Anthony Davis to bail you out. It's you and me. Can you imagine Trey Young going against LeBron James? Okay, that would be a massacre. That'd be so bad. <laughs> or like Zion. That'd be Zion so bad. LeBron like couldn't do anything because Trey Young would just be shooting it from threes and sinking them, and be... LeBron would be doing nothing. Oh, wait, wait, you're saying... I'm joking. Oh, my joking. God. You're, you're okay, do, do be respectful. I'm joking. Be, be respectful, okay? Okay, let's separate, let's separate the children from the daddies, okay? Who's your daddy? It's LeBron James! He's my daddy, okay? He's my daddy. Are you Bronny? Bronny? <laughs> I wish I was Bronny. Am I talking to the other son that's less loved because he's not as good at basketball? You're, you're talking to his Chinese son. Oh. <laughs> He's kept me in China, okay? That's why he loves that's why he loves China. That's why he loves China so much. He's left me here with the virus. How do I get out? How do I get out? <laughs> Daryl Moore is supposed to help me. I can't find him. <laughs> Poor Daryl. Poor Daryl. So until next time, dear listeners, tweet us at your NBA podcast. See ya! See ya. Isa Torres on the beat, boys. Thank you for listening to Your MBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your MBA Podcast.